There are things in this world that people choose to not believe, even when confronted with overwhelming evidence. For thousands of years, humans have wondered what is real and what is not real. As we move to an increasingly modern and connected world, those lines become blurred. Artificial diseases, alternative therapy of suppression. What are these things? Are they real? The facts are out there and people just choose to not listen. Thousands of documented hours, various amounts of professionals coming to tell their stories about what is real and what is maybe too real. In all my years of expertise, I've never seen evidence like this. This is actually overwhelming. Join us as we dive into the unknown. The Unknown is hosted by Jack and Charlie of the Raconteur Collection. Brought to you by the RC Studios. Brought to you by the RC Studios. Wonder by Patreon. Join Patreon. Patreon. Anyways, what's going on, guys? This is the uh, Raconteur Collection. Uh, exploring the Unknown. Part 2. I forget the official title. I should have it pulled up, but I don't. Try, do, you know, do you know the uh, official title? I believe it was just The Unknown. The Unknown? It, it's... it's it's something like that, probably. But guys, welcome. Part two of our little unknown mini-series in our podcast. Um, got a pretty decent response on the last one. It was kind of a lot of fun to do, and uh, I, think, uh, I think we got a real treat here for you. But before we dive into that, I am one of the hosts. My name is Jack. Some might say I'm the uh, more formidable brother of the two, but uh, who knows? I'm joined by my other co-host, host, and brother Charlie. Charlie, how are you doing? COVID-19, real or a government conspiracy designed to control us through 5G chips? Hello, my name is Charlie. Can you imagine? The whole time? The whole time like <laughs> yeah, The whole time you're just putting in these like COVID <laughs> conspiracy theories? No, uh, I believe COVID is real, just for the record. Uh, I mean... Yeah. yeah, you got to say that on air. But. I know. I wanted to make sure. You know, I joked about it. Then I was like, you know. Yeah, the, the, well, the whole tangent we went on prior to recording was. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's COVID's very real. Yeah. Um, and so are these things we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. Last week, we brought to you cryptids. cryptids. And uh, Lily responded to us, our wonderful sister and also a patron and supporter of the podcast for a long time. Saying that she really enjoyed the episode yeah. of the research, and she did say it was a little discon- uh, disheartening before we got into it. Charlie was just like, "It's all garbage," <laughs> <laughs> but it was. She said it was still fun. I think she was just, you know, having a little Josh there. Uh, and then even Michael even guessed or tried to guess which uh, one was yeah. fake or real. I told him in a private chat which one was real. Was he surprised? He was very surprised. I will say. Spoilers, if you guys haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to that one. But Mongolian deathworms do sound completely made up. So do bat squatches. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it is both of those were 100% real cryptids. Well, 100% quote unquote real. Isn't that weird? I guess you could. Isn't it weird? Is it weird to say real cryptids? Real cryptids. I mean, on the History Channel, I guess documented cryptids. I, I don't know. I don't think, is Bat Squatch documented? <laughs> is it? The Bat Squatch? I don't know. Just like, what's, that one's still so cool. That's cool. 
Uh, but yeah, so we kind of we fiddled around with the ideas of SCPs, which might be your next episode. Um, mm. You know, could be this episode, could be um, an amalgamation of many things, but we just like the unknown and we like exploring it. So yeah. Lily said that she did have some potential ghost stories, so maybe we could cover ghosts mm. or something. Anyways, I went first or second last time. I remember. I think I went first, but Charlie, before no, I went second, so I'll go first this time. But before we get into all the nitty gritty, Charlie, <laughs> what's with the? I was trying to. I was waiting. I was waiting. I, I was really trying to. Um, Charlie, in my head, I was like, "How long is a?" Pause until it's like, <laughs> Charlie. And we here see billions and was it Calculon from Futurama? <laughs> My mastery of the what does he say? The dramatic pause. Stop. Anyways, before we get into our uh, topics, we chose today for conspiracy conspiracy theories, Charlie. What's your kind of overview on conspiracy theories? Mm. And obviously, I don't think we're going to cover any main mainstream ones. Um, no. What are the ones you've heard about the most? Which yeah. ones do you think actually have any credibility, if any? Right. Uh, and just uh, what are your thoughts going into this? Because I might change your mind with mine. Mm. Probably my, not. My mind. Um, conspiracy theories, I think, are very fascinating. Sorry for the pause, guys. That was really awkward. Very much like cryptids, the idea that there are these bigger, you know, fundamental different, like fundamentally different things going on beneath our feet, I think are, you know, it's, it's, um, it's compelling, right? I'm trying to think of a different word, but it's compelling. You know, I, as with most things, as with the cryptids, I still feel this kind of overwhelming argument of like, okay, but if, this is as big as it involved as you claim it to be. How has nobody, nobody has documentation. Nobody has proof. It's all stories. It's all he said, she said type situation. And I'm always like, really though? You know, but I think what's interesting about them, you know, first and foremost, even above the conspiracy theory themselves. And I'm taking this a little bit from a documentary I watched on Flat Earthers. Because flat Earth is one of those conspiracy theories that's not even really a conspiracy theory because you it's just it's just wrong. I mean, like you know, it's not. I mean, you can say that. I can say that, but there's a documentary about them, a great documentary, by the way, in which they actually prove themselves wrong, and they're like, "Well, maybe we got the experiment wrong." Like they go to this point where they shine this laser across this really flat river, and if the laser, if the Earth wasn't curved, the laser would hit the same mark on the other side, but the you know it hits a higher point. Because the earth is curved. Fun fact. Um, but it kind of introduced me to this idea of conspiracy theories. And in like in particular, groups of people believing in conspiracy theories about how they... It's a kind of a community for them. A place where they feel accepted and they can be themselves. Yeah, there's definitely a weird under, like underlying reason for a lot of people yeah. believing in this kind of stuff. Now, you asked me as far as like which conspiracy theories do I give any credibility to... None of them really. However, there are ones that I think stand out to me more. I think more of the governmental, like, 
uh, Shadow Masters pulling the puppet strings. Yes. Those ones, I think, get me a little bit because I'm like, God, there's just, you just don't know. Like, there are people with incredible amounts of power. And who knows what they're doing? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of scary because, you know, as much as we can, you know, think that there isn't like this weird, uh, you know, uh, what would you call it? Um, it it's, a, it's a term, cabal. You know, you might not want to believe that there's this large cabal controlling everything, cabal. but uh, there might just be. Right. So, you know, I wouldn't say, like, it's not that, like, I believe that there are lizard people ruling the world, because <laughs> that's silly. <laughs> I mean, you can say that. But more things like um, like the Illuminati stuff, yeah. like the, like, New World Order, where there's, like, these old embedded groups that kind of... All the celebrities making the triangle shapes with their See, hands. See, that's where it gets, like, okay, silly. But when you talk about, like, oh, hey, like, what about these, like, huge, like, banking systems? What about these huge corporations? Like, what is really going on there? You know, and ultimately, I think it comes down to the boring answer of they're just taking advantage of the system. And they know how to. Yeah, sadly. Um, And there's no conspiracy. It's just taking advantage of the system. Yeah, the only conspiracy here is why aren't we taxing capital gains? <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Roll credits. <laughs> Rocky? <laughs> no matter how hard you get hit, you gotta keep getting up, or whatever the quote is. <laughs> I butchered that so bad. Uh, but yeah, that's my that's my general overview on conspiracy theories. You know, is yeah. I think there are some really fascinating ones out there, like in compelling from a story point of view, for sure. But as far as me believing that they're real, there's not a lot that really compel me. I I would say okay, I mentioned this before we started recording, and I was kind of running through them in my head. But like the JFK assassination, right? Yes. You like digging into that one. I've watched like documentaries on it. You know, I've seen like weird alternate history things, you know. Yeah, for sure. There's, but yeah, like that situation is weird. And it's weird. There are just weird details in there and weird, you know, I don't know, bizarre. Like, was there a second shooter? What was going on? The magic bullet thing that like they suggest, you know, things that are just like unexplained. Now, do I think that there's like foul play? That's what I don't know. But like, I'm like, what actually did happen? Like, you hear about that bullet that, like, traveled through the governor and, like, went through and, like, ricocheted through his body and, like, passed out and then the bullet was fully intact. Like, weird stuff like that where you're like, really? That was the explanation they came up with to, to solve this? I've never heard of that. Oh, That's yeah, actually, look, in, look into it. It's that, weird. That sounds almost as crazy as Flat Earth, honestly, if I got to be completely real here. That's what I'm saying. Like, there are just weird things out there. Strange beans. Strange beans. And these beans. And these beans. Oh, uh, man, $10 to whoever can get that reference. That's a... These beans. beans. These beans. I grew them from the ground myself. I don't hear anything different than what you're saying. What you <laughs> these bean beans. Where I stand on conspiracy... Where I stand on conspiracy theories is that I think they're very... It's It's a fun pastime to think about. It's fun to kind of think about, you know, it. it's almost like cryptids in a way because you kind of have to put a veil over your your eyes to, you know, not see 
you know, plausible explanations for things. The big ones are obviously like flat earth, um, the fake moon landing, that kind of stuff. Things that have been proven slash disproven over the course of years and years. It's like, you know, fascinating. If I can just wrap it all up in one word, fascinating. I'm not very good. I'm not very good at uh, pontificating for long amounts of time, but I'm trying to expand my vocabulary as I am on the podcast for longer. But that is neither here nor there. And so instead of just being boring and random, I think I'll go ahead and dive into the topic for today. As as long as that's all right with you, Charlie. That is great with me. Thank God, because I was flailing in the ocean here. All right, so. This is why I usually choose to to intro them. We're past the intro. To steer the ship, so to speak. We're past the intro. Oh, no, it's okay. Charlie like was like, if you think you can do the intro, and I got really <laughs> offended because I was like, I can do the intro. Guys, like, comment, subscribe for who can do the best intro. Um, just kidding. It's 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 probably Charlie. I'm, I'm granted. I'm, I have a gift for <laughs> a, um, a gift. He calls it talking without saying anything at all. So you know, much like Northern Lion, exactly. Exactly. I've learned a lot from him, actually. I do. Same. Same. Um, Especially when it comes to where he just ignites his own tangents because he's talking about a story and then he goes into a tangent within a tangent within a tangent. That's how you that's how you do it, man. Those are my favorite Binding of Isaac episodes when it has nothing to do with Binding of Isaac at all. We're talking about YouTuber here named Northern Lion, who's a fantastic. I'm wearing his merch, but uh, he tends to play the same games very like solid reliable heck always has content coming out but man some he goes on these tangents and he is he is the king of just talking and like keeping up these conversations like yeah by himself recording like, like it's dead amazing. air dead air is almost not a thing when it comes to his channel and it's crazy impressive and he's like making himself laugh and it just yeah he's he's good at it <laughs> <laughs> anyways let me take you guys back to 1947. Admiral Richard E. Byrd. Admiral Richard E. Byrd. I swear to God. (laughs) He led 4,000 military troops from the U.S., Britain, and Australia in an invasion of Antarctica called... 4,000? Operation High Jump. Okay. So, can I pause you? Yeah, go ahead. At what point is this whole Operation High Jump a conspiracy theory in and of itself, or is parts of this operation a conspiracy? So here's the thing. There are documents and okay. actual files of there being a project, uh, uh, Operation of Going to Antarctica. But no, nobody knows if they actually went, though. No one knows, basically... It's, it's real weird. I'll be honest, there's a lot of reading... And a lot of like, this person's like, I, I went on this to this page. I forgot. I'll, I'll get credits probably later on. Um, basically, there was like four hundred page, one hundred page like oh documents and unreleased records. Jeez. Okay. So like, there's a lot to this. And I'll be honest. I don't know how much is real or fake. Right. I'll be quite honest with you. Right. A lot of it is so. The reason that this one is so strange to me is because of the people who are reporting it. Hmm. That's why this one is so strange. 
Okay, so this is, what year was this again? 1947. Okay, so several years after War II's ended. Well, like two years. Yeah, several. Several is not two. I always, I often think of That's a couple. Several is like four or five at least. That's interesting. I don't know. We're not, we're not going to get into this. <laughs> and I, I don't think, I'm not going to do the entire thread of this because no. it is take, long. No, take me, take me, I'm, I'm ready, I'm going to listen. Okay. Can we give you some music background? No, I don't need music in the background. There's a part of the story that is seldom told, at least in official circles. And it is that the Bird and his forces encountered heavy resistance to their Antarctic adventure from flying saucers. Okay. And they had to call off the invasion. Operation High Jump was an invasion of Antarctica consisting of three naval battle groups which departed Norfolk, VA. Okay. On, I'm sorry, on December 2nd, 1946. I'm trying to like not just read exactly my notes. Oh, no, I can't do, is. Jack will attest this. I'm horrible with impersonations and accents. I tend to be too, unless I, I can parrot them though. Like if I hear it, I can usually copy it, but like it's hard for me to just Out of the pull blue. up. Uh, yeah, I mean, you heard my rock, you heard my Rocky impression. Um, they were led by the Admiral Richard E. Byrd, okay, and his commanding ship, the Icebreaker Northwind. Dude, that's an awesome ship name. Pretty, pretty cool. So his ship's named the Icebreaker Northwind. Well, it's an icebreaker, the icebreaker ship called, ship called Northwind. Northwind. Yeah, yes. that's, dude, that's an awesome ship. Um, so Admiral Byrd declared Northwind. that it was imperative for the United States to initiate immediate defense measures against hostile regions. Okay. Furthermore, he didn't want to frighten anyone or become unduly because it is a bitter reality that in a case of a new war, the continental United States would be attacked by flying objects which could fly mm. from pole to pole at incredible speeds. Okay. So what makes this story so like weird is that this is like a very well-respected admiral that is who's weird. like reporting this yeah. and was kind of after this operation, kind of swept under the rug. Okay. That's what's so weird about this one. Yeah, and it's, you know, to point out a couple of extra things, too. Yeah. To kind of support this. It, things like this are not entirely unknown. I mean, Patton, famously U.S. general, famously wanted to immediately attack Russia after World War II, right? Because he viewed Russia as a threat, which is interesting going into the Cold War and stuff after that. So it's really not out of the realm of possibility that, People are preparing. You know, we're preparing. We just used a couple of years ago, using nuclear bombs, Hiroshima yeah. and Nagasaki. And so, like, yeah, you got to worry that if there is some Nazi branch that just happened to be researching something in Antarctica or, you know, escaped there, that they're doing something. I mean, designing V2 rockets. I mean, we're getting to the point where that is, it is starting to get like, threatening so i understand their reasoning like the believability of this so far now flying saucers i I don't know about that yeah that's but like the believability of wanting to go to antarctica to check to make sure like that is i i I believe that yes so he the admiral admiral bird recommended defenses at the north pole yeah um and I'm, i'm gonna be reading a lot of these quotes just from this article i got this article is by it's called Operation High Jump and the UFO Connection by E. Rich J. Corin. 
So there's that. I also did some research on Wikipedia and some other sites, but um, this is kind of the main one I'm pulling quotes from, uh, just sporadic quotes that I can pontificate on. I'm getting better about it. Yes, shallow and pedantic. <laughs> <laughs> these are not isolated remarks. Admiral Byrd later repeated that each of these points of view, resulting from what he described as his personal knowledge, gathered both at the North and South Poles before a news conference held for International News Service. However, what's really strange about this is that shortly after, he was hospitalized and not allowed to have any more press conferences after just one or two, after a couple. Okay. However, still in March of 1955, he was placed in charge of Operation Deep Freeze, which was a part of an international geophysical year exploration of the Antarctic from 1957 to 1958. However, he shortly died thereafter, thereafter in 1957, so he wasn't even able to complete this exploration. Okay. And a lot of people think that he was, you know... Targeted. Targeted. So, oh, do you know how old he was when he died? Uh, let me research that research. Let me just Google it real quick. I'm just curious, you know, because that is weird. You know, I think the untimely assassinations, that gets me a lot of the time. Where oh, I'm gosh. Like, I just Google his name. It's Admiral Byrd on the Hollow Earth. So, it's... Hollow Earth. Oh, man. That's a... Yeah. That's a compelling piece of garbage. It's in... That's in... Non-believable, but very interesting. Yeah. It's kind of cool, the idea of that. He was uh, 68. Okay, so not, I mean, I mean, in the 50s, you know, that's not super old, but yeah. yeah like, so, but here's some credit to High-ranking position, though? Like, you would have the money and he stuff. He was an American naval officer and right. explorer. He was the recipient of a Medal of Honor, the highest honor of valor given by the United States. So he wasn't just kind of some... Some dude. He was like, not many people have gotten the Medal of Honor. Um... He was a pioneering American aviator, polar explorer, and organizer of polar logistics. So, um, his claim to reach the pole is disputed, but, uh, you know, whatever. So, this is not just kind of some random dude. This isn't just some general, but not like they're just some generals, but he's like, he's up there. So, it's kind of weird that this guy was just kind of put in charge of all these tasks and then was... Yeah. Essentially oft was what people are saying. Right. Now, there is no other known threat that could account for the United States' invasion of Antarctica, nor for the development of any craft that could fly from pole to pole with incredible speeds. So, you know, no one kind of believes it at this point because no one has the technology to kind of organize all of this. However, a lot of Germans fled the fatherland, or Germany, after and during World War II, as Allied troops swept across the mainland. And they think that these German soldiers, and just people, and you know, possibly Hitler could be in there, who knows, um, established a base on Antarctica, where they continued to develop advanced aircraft based on extraterrestrial technologies, because there are a lot of weird experiments the Nazis did. There are. And a lot of weird things that we have papers and documents on of them exper- experimenting with, like, magnets and, like... Super soldiers. Super soldiers. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff that they just kind of were doing. And also, for for what's worth, these um, 
you know, engineers, um, mechanics, or whatever you want to call them, scientists, were like some of the best scientists yeah. at the time. I mean, that's how we developed the nuclear bomb. Like, like let's be honest. It I was mean, a lot the of scientists these fleeing Germany. Exactly. Like, a lot of these people after World War II, the scientists, we took them. We're like, hey, yeah. we'll basically give you sanctions for yeah. all your knowledge. It, yeah, that's. One of the sad things I think about the ending of World War II is, you know, so many of these high-ranking Nazi officials had so much useful information that we kind of just kept them around. And they were kind of just allowed to. And it's just like, man, like, can you, like, can you imagine a better deal? Oh, hey, so, yeah, you're responsible for some of the worst mass death in the history of the world. But, yeah. yeah. You're a valuable scientist, and the information that you have is valuable to the United States. So we're going to pay for you to stay here. It's a little sad, but also don't look into Unit 731 if you don't like that sort of thing, because there's even worse stuff there. Anyways, that's a whole, that's an actual real thing that I don't really want to do a podcast on, because it's just like actually really depressing. Anyways, dark. it's interesting to note that at the end of the war, the Allies determined that there were about 250,000 Germans unaccounted for, even taking into account casualties and deaths. This would be a quite a population base for a fledging colony and provide the essential degree of skill, expertise, and pure manpower for an industrial base of any sort, let alone the production of, even by today's standards, extremely high technology. Reports concerning sightings of flying saucers with swastikas <laughs> or iron crosses on them and aliens speaking German were reported from, you know, Antarctica. How did they know it's an alien speaking German? Well, because they never saw him, but they heard German. They're like, that's an alien sounding That's voice. an alien sounding German. Coming up with this crackling ham radio. <laughs> V-Gates. <Bonka. laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Rammstein. Do you hear that alien saying a German word? What is that German word? Goddamn aliens speaking German. <laughs> Gotta get Brad Bird up here. No, Brad Bird. Is that what it is? Brad Bird. That's, that's the Pixar director. That's not Admiral Bird or Richard E. Bird. Richard E. Bird. Richard. We gotta get Admiral Bird up in here. <laughs> gotta get the famous Pixar director. He so did that movie Iron Giant, right? He knows. <laughs> What's really interesting is that a lot of this kind of started coming out. So this is near the end of it, because, like I said, this if I were to keep going, this would be another, like, 40 minutes. So I just kind of want to end it here and just leave some speculation. But a lot of this was happening around time, around near the end of the whole Roswell incident. Mm, okay. So okay. a few things kind of start adding up in this kind of conspiracy theory, where, you know, either extraterrestrial or... A Nazi, or maybe both, some kind of force or beings, beings. could be having base up up in Antarctica. So that's kind of what I brought for you. Um, sorry if it's not as much detail as some people want, but uh, that, that's what I got. I thought it was pretty interesting. That's interesting. And you know, we kind of decided on this not last minute, but you know, a couple days. I was gonna say it was definitely a Wednesday or Thursday that we decided. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like I'll I had a whole a week, and I was like, oh, "I'll do this one," and I, I was like, "Oh, this is a lot longer than I thought." So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so yeah, there's that. I thought I hope I did a good job, and uh, Charlie, what do you think of that one? 
That's a cool one. Did it make sense? Because I think that often what these remind me of are um, like the Wolfenstein games, right? Yes. Where you have Nazis that are like getting into supernatural things that are getting into aliens. Mecha and like Hitler. Yeah, like yeah, that kind of stuff or like Nazis on the moon, like, you know. Or, you know, that makes me think of, like, Nazi zombies, too, right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, you start getting into, like, these weird rabbit holes of, like, how far, how deep did they dig? How deep does this whole right? thing go? And so, yeah, I do I do like that because it's it's just, it, it's creepy. It's, it's, like, weird enough. I mean, the thing is, is, like, with a lot of alien stuff, I'm, op- I'm often, like, okay, if there are these aliens, like, why do they do it? Like, why do they just fly around? Like, is observing? Like, is it just observations? So, most of the time, I think, no, no aliens, right? Mainly because I often think of something I heard way back in high school, right? Where when the Native Americans first saw, like, the ships from the English coming across, right? They had no concept of what these ships could be. And so, like, they were just magical to them. And so, I often think, I'm like, if we were to see some kind of flying technology, would we even recognize it as, like, something possible right would it take the shape or form of something we're familiar with flying saucer right or would it just be something insane would it just be would it just be right would it just be and so very compelling yeah Yeah, so i mean that was that's what i got for you so charlie if you want to dive in yours yeah i'm interested yeah we didn't really brief each other on what we were doing that in depthly Mm -hmm. so um take it away yeah. So originally, as Jack mentioned at the head of this episode, at the top of the hour, we mentioned the SCP Foundation, which is a huge internet based, um, like, I don't know. I wanted to say group, but more of like phenomena, storytelling endeavor. It can't be stopped now. <laughs> phenomena. Uh, but originally, I was going to do the SCP Foundation. But I just started doing some digging about, you know, what SCP Foundation is, like where it came from. And a lot of that stuff is people being like uh, x files monster of the week, right? And so far, like, this is how this government organization contains them. Doing research on that, that led me to what I believe, Jack, is what the SCP stuff is based on to begin with, right? Okay. Interesting. And this is called the Quartz Foundation, okay? And so... Like for research. Minecraft? Yeah. Like oh, Minecraft. okay. Nether Quartz. Yeah, yeah all okay. Kind of stuff. Gives you gotcha. a lot of XP. Yeah, Nether Quartz, yeah. So I did a lot of research. Came upon this. A lot of research, he says. Yeah. Now, of course, people out there who know me and know the correct answer to last week's thing of which one was not real, you might not trust my research because you feel tricked. That's okay. It's all about conspiracy theories. It's all about tricking you anyways. <gasps> who knows if it's real or not? Maybe this episode is a conspiracy theory. It'd be kind of fun to like put this episode up for like an hour and then take it down and then put up like a different episode in its place. Or what if we said the episode was up and then, you know, we took it down and people were just like, it's not up. And we're like, we put it up. Like, that's really weird. Oh, we could like put up a post that like, oh, this episode got taken down because of boop, like edit it, (laughs) just put edits in there redacted <laughs> the whole the whole hour redacted right redacted. redacted so this story starts jack yes as with i think a lot of 
early New World exploration. Yes. It starts around the 1100s, right? And so this is, what, 100-ish so years after the Vikings have landed in America. Stuff like that, like New World stuff like that. Anyways, so the foundation Happy exists. Happy Leaf Erickson Day. Happy Leaf Erickson Day. The foundation exists to protect, research, and contain anomalous items, persons, beings, and intelligences. Very much like the SCP Foundation, right? Can we talk about how cool of a word, like just anomaly and anomalous? I do like the word anomalous. Those are just really cool words. Shout out. So what was interesting about this theory, and so much so like where like YouTube videos and stuff are about this, right, is that a lot of people think... And a lot of people specifically who write articles for the SCP stuff think that the Quartz Foundation is just another part of the SCP thing. Or some people think the SCP stuff is based off of the Quartz Foundation. And like they're we're playing this huge game, right? Where the Quartz Foundation is allowing information to leak through the SCP people. Real or not. They don't really care, right? So some stuff for the SCP could be real. Could be not. Who who does who knows? Who does know? You know. Not I. And so that's why I thought it was kind of interesting about this. Okay. Um, so little is known about the history of the foundation, but some suspect that they operate in plain sight and use other major corporations to hide in within the modern day. Like and the Raconteur Collection. So they've, you know, they've hidden the Raconteur Collection. They're hiding in the church. They're hiding within the monarchy of, you know, England, stuff like that. Who knows? The Quartz Foundation was started and is led by a group called the Canopsa Council. Canopsa? The Canopsa. Canopsa, okay. So if a quartz foundation... being Italian for a second. (laughs) The Canopsa Council. The Canopsa Council. Again, I don't even know if that's Italian, but... It's not. So if a quartz foundation is hard to track, the Canopsa Council supposedly doesn't even exist. However, based on accounts from within the quartz foundation, the council does exist, and there are still active and high-level decision-making. So here's the information. (laughs) Take you on a path. Take me on a path. So the Course Foundation has operation sites all over the world and has a network of dedicated employees that all work. <laughs> they have dead employees. <laughs> dead employees. <laughs> dedicated employees that all work to keep the secret of their group. Entrances into the group is often hidden as a corporation, making a new hire. What is known is that each site is run by a director and that directors are responsible for the site and they're responsible for reporting to the Canopsa Council. The directors hire through and track potential employees through corporate fronts and often will target those with no connections and those who want a higher purpose. So think about the burnouts. You got somebody just applying to dead-end jobs. The idea is that there's a third party that's like tracking these, right? And so they're purposefully picking people. Going even so far Hmm. as to like corrupt and mess with people's lives to put them on a path for the foundation. It's like to be burnt out, to be like, hey... This is all yeah. like just, these are the options. Like, we're basically forcing you to take. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is your weird, choice. But the yeah. choice is abject poverty and living on the street. Or, and it's like, oh, okay. Which is interesting, right? I mean, so, I guess. Training to a little, become. A little sad, a little close to home. Yeah. So, training to become part of the Quartz Foundation is a four year process, right? Years of tests, physical training, and psychoanalytic shaping of character. Is this a disguise as like a regular job? So at this point, point, you go in for the hiring process of the regular job and the idea, the supposed idea, as I was listening to this YouTuber say, I think his channel is called the Exploring Series. He does some SCP videos and he's also done one on the Quartz Foundation. 
But the idea is, is that you go in to say work at Starbucks, right? But mm-hmm. the person interviewing you doesn't actually work with Starbucks. But the Starbucks, he supposedly is a Starbucks employee. And they're like, hey, show up here. And you show up there and then you're, they're just never seen from again. Or, oh, that person transferred. Oh, that new hire didn't work out. They didn't show up for their interview. That's all it is translated as into the real world. And they got you. Hmm. Right. So, again, this plays into, like, a lot of the fun I have with conspiracy theories is being, them being, like, shadows within the real world, right? Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. After four years you, of trainings, the new initiates are then given another further test, which is called the life test. They're required to go live in the world and make something of themselves while living the values of the foundation. So this is the period where information leaks to begin with. And it is unclear if the court's foundation, if this is purposeful, like if this is just some suggest that like these new employees, they cut them dry after four years. So four years, right? And they're like, okay, you're good. Get out of here. You just go out in the world. Don't know what to do. And so many fail this period and those who fail are seen as mad or crazy. And those people who come into your work and they're like, oh, the government listens to you through vibrations in the windows. And 5G is poisoning the youth. Maybe that's real. Maybe it's all just like this cloud of obfuscation that doesn't even make any sense. Right? Dude, that, what was that word? Obscu- obfuscation. Obfuscation. That's a great yeah. word, Charlie. Good because word Because most are fed information that they have to protect. And so some think leaks are per- like purposeful. Some think that like at this point, you don't actually have any real information, so they don't care what you leak. Like, anyway, so that's it's a five-year hmm. process, basically, where you have to survive these tests. Okay. So once this test is passed, you would become an employee at a research site. You are classified by a number and a ranking, and the number is an identity, and a ranking allows more access and a show of tenure. The lowest rank is white, and it goes all the way up to black. White-ranked employees, despite having five years of training, are considered expendable and usually the first to investigate dangerous or uncertain events all over the world. This uh, the, this means that the more you move up in ranks, or the, the means to move up in ranks is currently unknown, excuse me, but several colors have been identified, and they're listed below in order. So white, silver, gray, opal, and black are the colors you get as you move up. That reminds like me black of... black belts, karate. That kind of reminds me of... Um, you said, like, the SCP Foundation was based off of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the SCP Foundation okay. is, like, Oh, this is a rank five employee. Yeah, that's definitely what it sounds like. Yeah. Because like in the one SCP, uh, I forget what number it is, but the flesh that hates, which is really, that one's like super good. It is um, good. Because like the people who go down like investigate that and like just see all this weird stuff. And that one's really good because like there are like quote unquote photos and that kind of stuff of it. So that's just what this is making me think mm-hmm. of. But so just real quick, is this, supposedly all real or is it that's the thing originally like i said i was gonna do the scp foundation however you did some digging this was listed as something else within kind of like subcategories as like the origin of the scp stuff so like somebody could have just made this up and then scp is just a new version of this right either way this was a weird one because there's a lot of information on it and then it seemed to just blend into the other SCP stuff. Like I said, people have made YouTube videos on this. Yeah. And it's just like exploring the SCP series, the Quartz Foundation. And it's unknown if how real any of this is. Of course, do I think it's real? No, of course not. But 
I like to talk about it. I, I thought it was cool, though. The Quartz Foundation exists as independent sites all over the world, and there have been and there are many of their own sub-rankings and different types of tests, but most sites have a dedicated research team and a top-of-the-line science resources to pull from. The Foundation's mission is to seek out, research, and contain and hide any type of anomalous objects, peoples, beings, or intelligences. That being the case, most of the sites exist as containment facilities for the mysterious entities that the Quartz Foundation seeks out. This is perhaps the most interesting part of the Foundation. Each object is given a code number and name, a name that usually represents some aspect of the object, and they're given a danger ranking that follows below. So I decided to focus hmm. on danger rankings because I thought danger danger rankings, danger rankings are fun. Danger. So <clears throat> the first danger ranking is Callisto. Callisto. Callisto, meaning the object is safe and does not require containment, but monitoring. While this class is called Callisto, often this ranking is given to anomalous objects or persons that have power, but have control over that power or cannot use their power. For example, there's an object class that's listed as mundane, and its name is the Master Phone, the class Callisto. The Master Phone is a singular phone booth that was constructed by an unknown intelligence that contacts directly the Canopsa Council. While this object is labeled as safe, contacting the council is perhaps the most dangerous act anyone within the Quartz Foundation can do. Only site directors have this responsibility, and only directors can speak with the council and still retain their sanity. While this phone is classified as safe, the options available can lead to death. And so the idea is that even though something is labeled as safe, it still could kill you if you use it in the wrong way. Wait, so why would people go insane if they talk to the, if they talk to the uh, Calypsa Council? The Canopsa Council? Canopsa. Yes. Horrible names. Try to give me a big some old shrug. Is it some eldritch horror council? That's what it sounds like. You answer the phone, it's just... <laughs> right? And you're like... Hey! Like you're a, Think of like Welcome to Night Vale and like the supervisors of the studio. He's like, let me go ask the supervisors. And it's like... <laughs> and he's like, yes. It almost reminds me of this... It's This is a weird tangent, but on the Super Mega... Just not just the... Like, it's not their podcast, but just their episodes. They have this... It's a really weird, quote unquote, joke that they just call mother. Like they'll be like, be talking. It's like, wait, wait, what time is it? It's six thirty. Dude, we should have been in bed. Mother's gonna be so angry. Wait, I, I hear. And they like edit in like a boom, doom, like someone like coming and like, opening the door and like this breathing sound, and then it goes away. And they're like, okay, you can turn everything back on. I think we're all right. And it's it's so weird, but like. It's almost kind of a. I'll have to show you. It's 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 good. It reminds it's pretty me of something, good. something yeah. you and I would do. But yeah. um, it's wow, uh, that's, that's creepy. That's good. It's it, it's it's funny though because yeah. you're like, what? Like they're playing like Animal Crossing and it's out of nowhere. Anyways, um, this reminds me a lot too of like the that old YouTube Marble Hornet series, yeah. right? Where it's very much in the guise of oh, this is real. This is really happening, and like it's creepy, and you know. Marble Horns is a weird one. It's a weird one, right? Weird one. It's just like the definition of found footage transitioning to YouTube, basically. I mean, it would, on, tic- on TikTok, I found a Marble Hornets like clip and I was like, uh, this is Marble Hornets, isn't it? And people <laughs> were like, what's like, what's someone was like, Hornets? what's that? And I was like, oh, these, these you poor children, sweet summer child. These children. No. <laughs> Anyways, continue. So moving up a step in, I don't know. How dangerous things are. Class. Classification. Ganymede is the next class. Ganymede. 
So Ganymede, this classification is for threatening objects or beings that can kill on their own without an outsider doing anything. Most anomalous beings, objects, or intelligences are classified as Ganymede, for example. Object class, again, a mundane object. Name for this, the Fever Stone, class Ganymede. The Fever Stone was first discovered in a small rural Iowa town in 1945. The red-colored... Um, sh- <laughs> Sorry, I'm, there's a funny little error in my notes. It says the red-colored dick-shaped stone... <laughs> Was that on purpose? It's supposed to be disc. <laughs> I was like, well, I was like, that's weird. <laughs> so the red colored disc shaped stone, <laughs> dick shaped stone. Woo! <laughs> it's gonna get you. It's gonna get you. <laughs> okay, okay. No, this is a magical stone. I promise. I swear, it's magical. I swear. So this red colored disc shape. <laughs> Just stay passive. We're going to keep laughing. Sheds an invisible dust that causes insanity and extreme acts of violence within those infected. While the fever stone was originally thought to be a safe object, that classification changed when it was discovered that if the fever stone was removed from a source of oxygen, the stone would vanish and appear elsewhere. This disappearing act caused the death of 34 white class individuals after recovering and sealing the stone away, and it reappeared within an open room in full view of resting employees. Sounds, so, sounds like a dick. <laughs> Dick-shaped stone. <laughs> Berserker stone, basically. Right. Cool. Interesting. Cool. Next Interesting. classification. Cool. Europa. 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 This classification is used for severe threats to human and animal existence. While the range mm. of Europa classifications is large, most have one trait in common. If left alone, this classification would cause a large amounts of death and destruction. The extent and range of this classification vary greatly. While some within the Quartz Foundation have asked to split their re- have asked to split their God, can't talk here. While some within the Quartz Foundation have asked to split the Europa classification into separate parts, most of those pleas have been denied by the Canopsa Council. So, an example of our uh, Europa class object. The object class is humanoid, and the name is the Astral Child class Europa. So, the Astral Child was first found by the Quartz Foundation when NASA spotted a bright but tiny object hurtling towards the Earth. While some fear was pushed about the collision of this object and the Earth, it was determined to be small enough not to cause any damage. The Quartz Foundation tracked the object to southern Africa, where they found the impact crater within a dense rainforest. While initially disappointed at the lack of anything left behind, researchers sent on the scene noticed that plant life in the area had completely rotted away and appeared that the rot was spreading. Several white-class employees were sent into the range of the rot, and within seconds died horrible deaths as they melted from the inside out. That's actually kind of horrible. For three days, researchers contained the area and used every possible tool to detect what was causing the rot. While organic matter melted away, it seemed that inorganic material was not affected. The astral child was discovered by scanning the area with ultraviolet light. Within the spectrum, the vague ghostly shape of a child with two bright burning eyes. Where researchers documented this discovery, the astral child seemed to sense that it could be seen and went into a fury. However, the Quartz Foundation had already discovered enough information to counter this fury, and soon the astral child was sealed away deep underground and still undergoes testing to this day. For this example, it would seem that Europa classifications are easy to understand. However, within this, classific- within this 
classification exist viruses, alien matter, subsonic spells, and many other types of intelligences that all kill with purpose or kill because there is a very or kill because their very movement is deadly to people. So mm. I think overall the idea is that this Europa class is can kind of is like a catch-all for that one sounds like the most SCP. I right. forget what class it is, but there's a certain class that very much sounds like that one. Yeah. Interesting. So we got we're moving in. We're getting close to the end here, okay. What time are we at, Jack? We are at almost 49 minutes. Oh, perfect timing. Yeah, I, I just want to say, th- this kind of stuff makes me, like, really want to, like, do a lot more research. I feel like I don't do enough research sometimes. Mm. Yeah, see, I, I like a lot of doing a lot of this stuff, so. And it's like, I like doing it, too. I think I just... I'm, it helps. To I'm very that. last minute. So if anyone has any... um. I mean, maybe you're about to give me some advice, but just advice on kind of, you know, finding the time or getting into the right habits to um, focus on research more. I'd appreciate that because sometimes I just really struggle with that. So for me, it's always how can I shape this like a story? Right. Okay. And so and then any of the research just backs up the story I'm telling. And so the problem or I think the big headache with research is absorbing it all to a level to where you could tell somebody else without looking. And so then when you have a written document, you're just telling the story and then you're just pulling from sources to. Yeah. I, I guess that's what I was worried about when I was doing my thing. I, that's why I kind of did like notes. Right. Or just little like um, excerpts. It was just cause I was like, maybe I can just kind of use this as like a little baseboard to jump from. But I think I was relying on it a bit too much, but not saying I didn't like what I had, but I just kind of wish I had, was more prepared, but can always do it next time. Always next time. Because this kind of stuff inspires me, Charlie. For the unknown part three. What if we just turn to an unknown <laughs> podcast? Unknown part 50, our mini our mini. All series. right, guys, next week we're going back to the Racketeer Collection. <laughs> I mean, this is still the Racketeer. That's what's so amazing about the Racketeer Collection. It's going to be anything we want. Be anything you want. Everything and nothing. All I actually don't think I separated any words right there. I was just kind of blending all the syllables together. Was Anyways, Charlie, continue. <laughs> was it worth it? Was it worth it? So, Io is the last formal My classification. Son. At this point, astute readers may have noticed the danger classes are labeled after Jupiter's moons. The current ranking system was created by a ranking member. I did notice. Thank you for asking. Yeah. The current ranking system was created by a member of the Canopsa Council in the early 1700s by an individual codenamed Jupiter who came up with these danger rankings. Why are you squinting at me? Is it the same member of the council? Like, are they still See, alive? That's what you don't know. Because, like, in there's a document later on that, of course, is probably false, but has a bunch of like redacted information on it. Redacted. And it's a code name Jupiter. So it's like, do Could be people anyone. just take the same code name? Like, is that it? It's almost like the Blue Man group. Yeah. Just another Blue Man. Just another Blue. Just another Blue Man. The Blue Boy. While Jupiter is mentioned several more times throughout the history of the Quartz Foundation, according to an internal debriefing document, Jupiter was killed for leaking documents. However, the death of Jupiter occurred in the 1980s, while his codename is mentioned as far back as the 1700s. So, I mean, interesting. So Callisto, Ganymede, Europa, and lastly, Io. While other sub-rankings do exist, Io is the last ranking on any list. Following below is the first encounter with what became known as an Io-class anonymous object. God, no, anonymous is so cool. Anomalous. 
Fourth foundation. Hearing, 37.4C. Residing. Hey, Jerry, wait. Give me a really good, the final class name. Give it to me really good. I'm going to make you sound like a Protoss. Go. I-O. So residing members, members of Canopsa. Um, it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven redacted names, and then two code names. Code name Jupiter and code name Titan. So redacted says, so any of the seven members says, please state your name. And then the apparent speaking thing is a Europa class object that's speaking. So redacted says, please state your name. Their Europa class object says madness and keys. Redacted. Madness and keys. Will you repeat the message of your birth or creator gave to you? The Europa. I knew I was going to get a ton of It's a lot of names. The Europa class object. In 11 years, the first of nine will appear. The coming will be known as an angel, but an angel for its own and not how it is seen. Jupiter. 11 years. That would be about the appearance in 1982. Where will this angel appear? Redacted. You have not been authorized to speak, Jupiter. Jupiter. Titan found madness in keys. Do you suggest that Titan has less ownership? Titan. The object is out of my hands. I would ask that you let Redacted speak to the object. You can read that report, Jupiter. Europa class object. Here. The angel will appear in this location. Redacted. Here. How do you know? How does the angel know of this location? Redacted. Impossible. So there's like multiple names that are just redacted. They keep out. And so Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Reading through the Madness and Keys object report, how long, <clears throat> he asks, how long have we had this object in containment? Titan. We found the object in information removed. So it's, you know, there's information that's taken out. And then another redacted says, Madness and Keys, how will this angel be known? Are there any sublight specific foundations? Europa class object. I will unlock this space for the angel. Jupiter. How? Redacted, do not answer that question. This meeting will be adjourned. Following the report, eight more Europa-class objects were found all over the world. Each of these pieces seemed to be different. However, upon further inspection, each piece caused death within a mile radius, and each projected the arrival of the first of the nine. Thus, the official file was created for an unknown rev- for the unknown arrival of the first of nine. What follows is the original file. So this is the first IO-class file. Object class, unknown. Name, the first of nine. Class, Io. Author's note, codename Jupiter. August 23, 1982. Location, redacted. 47 hours before the arrival of the first of the nine. This is what follows. The first signs of arrival have been confirmed. The redacted have begun to tear apart the room. While previous estimates have stated that this event could involve the area of redacted, I have come to understand that the entire redacted is at risk. The entire Canopsa Council will redacted. I have begun to call this first of the nine by its true name, a name transmitted through redacted vibrations and any sublight liminal redacted. The first of nine, the first of nine IO class objects, objects that are dangerous enough to distort redacted. The name of this first angel is Gilgamesh. I have personally developed the new danger class of IO for these angels. IO class threats have the potential to redacted, warp gravity, and redacted. While the document was heavily edited, this was Jupiter's last registered document, and it seems to suggest that whatever object Gilgamesh was was strong enough to shake the Canopsa Council to its core. While some have suggested that the first of n- while some have suggested that the first of the nine 
was some kind of splinter faction of the Canopus Council. This theory has been widely dismissed. Canopes However, I would like to leave you with this thought. While the Quartz Foundation obviously doesn't exist in our world, the bizarre correlation with the SCP Foundation would suggest that perhaps the Quartz Foundation fled this reality to escape the coming of the Nine. Perhaps when all nine angels have appeared, all realities will rejoin together at last. And that's how the documentation. So the documentation of the Quartz Foundation ends with this discovery of this IO class, the first of the nine hmm. angels. Interesting. So Jack, I read you a lot of information there. What you, what you think? I like it a lot. It's pretty cool, isn't it? It, it is very cool. It almost like, as you ring on that last part, I don't know why it reminded me of Dead Space. Very Dead Spacey. You know what it also reminds me of, too? Hmm. Uh, the first, the campaign for Black Ops. There's all that like, redacted information. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you and know, like, you see the Sharpie going over lines. Like, that's exactly what I'm picturing when it says redacted. Because, mm-hmm. like, I just have a document. And it's, like, a normal sentence and just bracketed, all caps word, redacted. And so, like, I imagine the actual document it's, has, like, blacked out. It's very cool, just like uh obviously like I don't think any of it's no real. It's but like it's it's very it's a very interesting like way to think about basically like classifying oh what what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Like classifying just different beings and creatures yeah. that you know people either make up or do exist in some alternate reality. But like, like I said, I was thinking this whole time, it'd be kind of a really cool, interesting either movie or series or even a video game mm-hmm. to kind of play through and like kind of be there like at the founding of the Quartz Foundation. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of this, you know, it relies heavily on the idea of, I mean, I think of similar things like men in black, right? Uh, X-Files, things like that, that are like, these weird documented organizations that like have all this, this collect information and contain these things or actually reminds me a lot of the game control. I only played control for probably the first couple hours and I loved it. But then I was like, it doesn't really run that well on the PlayStation four. So I was like, I'll play it on PlayStation five. Oh, yeah, Whatever you get that. Yeah. But control is a lot like that too. Weird X files, black mirror esque things. It, it made me think of like, so there's this SCP that, it was kind of like the opposite, how these, uh, you know, the first, the nine, or the nine would be like basically like ascending or descending to the world as certain different. You know what it really years. reminds me of, too, actually, mm-hmm. to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Again? But um, Evangelion. Evangelion yeah. has the arrival of all the angels, which are these weird aliens that, the, of course, you have to pilot the mechs to fight. It's almost like the opposite of the, like, one of the largest SCPs, SCP 169, which is known as the Leviathan. Um, it is a marine arthropod crustacean of enormous size. Uh, can you guess how big this thing supposedly is? This thing is like huge, right? Like this thing is. It can be anywhere between two and eight thousand kilometers in size. So this thing is like, yeah, like. Huge. And said you existed pre-Cambrian, so like, it just has been existing. Like the idea of like the world serpent maybe comes from this thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it was kind of it's almost like the opposite, but it was like um, oh, I'll read a little excerpt here. In the year of 1997, the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Admi- Administration, wow, 
unaware of the existence of the foundation, detected an ultra-low frequency, extremely powerful sound in the South Pacific Ocean around the west point of the tip of South America that was made by SCP-169. The sound was named the bloop, which is actually a, a real sound. Yeah. That they've picked up from deep ocean. Yeah. But obviously it's not this SCP. But just thinking about that. Yeah. You never know what could be down in that ocean. I mean, to be all, in, you know, in all honesty, this, the Quartz Foundation just sounds like an SCP of its own. Like, oh, this is SCP, you know. SCP-0. Oh, 472, the Quartz Foundation, right? It sounds like that. And I like the idea that whatever these IO class objects were, like, it completely destroyed the Quartz Foundation. And then now they only exist as sending messages in the forms of these SCP documents that we have now. And that they're like awaiting the arrival of all these angels. Cause like the idea, it's like, well, so if the first one was in 1982, I mean, it's 2021. Like, where are we at that? Like, where are the rest of them? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, so, you know, it lines up with like, was that 2012? Was that what it, what, this supposed to be in the world? Like, Y2K? When Who knows? Was, Who knows? There's so many things that could have been. Try, we've reached uh, an hour and one minute. Sorry for that loud tongue click. You know, we're all set. An hour, one minute, and 20 seconds, roughly. Charlie, before we end, I come and bring back. Well, first off, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Charlie, uh, do you have any recommendations for music, books? Mm. Uh, or what have you been into that yeah. you'd like to recommend to the public at yeah. large? Well, Maybe you the know, world at large. I found that I've been pretty busy Yeah, this last week with just the new job and stuff. Um, but... Kind of went down an old rabbit hole. I haven't watched in a while. So I first, Kate and I were watching some movies, right? As we always try to do. Moves. And we're kind of in between like a series or, which is kind of a bad place to be, right? And so first we tried watching Casino Royale. The new, well, the newest, the first of the newest uh, Bond movies, right? Daniel Craig. Uh, I'll be honest with you. And I'm sorry if this upsets people out there, but I was watching Casino Royale and I'm like, this movie is terrible. <gasps> uh, it just was not hitting the right thing for me, and it felt very like old. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? When I watched this movie, I was like, the opening chase scene, which is like essentially, they, it looks like they took like the highlights from like a part, like a YouTube parkour video, and they had a guy. They're like, okay, you got to make sure you do the thing where you like jump over the thing and put your hands down and get your feet over. You got to jump through the small object. You, you got to run across here. You got to do, do the. Roll. the you got to do the wall vault. You got to hop. You know what I mean? And it's just like, because I, I remember that movie came out. I was like, wow, that was really cool. But I'm like, oh, God, it's just, it didn't age well, right? Yeah. Felt that way, actually. This is another scandalous thing, because I love this movie. Felt that way about the first Matrix movie. Watched the first Matrix movie, and I'm like, man, the action in this movie, I don't like it. I think it's cheesy. Like it. Well, you got to think of when it came out, though. Like, see, I do. There wasn't it, a lot of like it when it came out that's the point right but like looking through it at this lens and after seeing things like john wick when you're like oh my gosh like and yes of course like it's back in the day and i know it's more of that almost in that crouching tiger hidden dragon type style more floaty stuff but like man this sounds and let me say yeah like those parts like where he's fighting morpheus great yeah when he fights agent smith at the end cool but like the specific scene where they go and rescue morpheus and he has all the guns and he does the cartwheel in between the pillars like yeah, i was just like cheesy and, and like 
we're unloading hundreds of thousands of bullets and like they're just not getting hit. I do like the part where I forget her name. Trinity, Trinity. dodge this. Well, no, she <laughs> she jumps like through that window and turns around like yeah. aims it aims yeah. the gun at the window, but like yeah, and she's like, come on, come on, Trinity, yeah. See, that movie is That's still good. really good in some aspects, but yeah. Anyways, all of this culminated. Jeepers in creepers, us. that thing's real. <laughs> for the from like the, the TV, TV edit. Oh, oh my god, so funny. What a bad line. All of this leads to Kate and I checking out the Born Identity. Right. Uh, while I I would like rank the movie a solid seven out of ten, hundred percent worth watching though. Okay, Man, it's a satisfying movie, and I really love that movie a lot. Talk about like a quiet, understated thriller, like thriller, thriller <laughs> espionage type movie, right? Interesting. Okay. I mean, specifically, okay. like there's a spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. There's a gunfight at the end that takes place in a wheat field. I don't know if you remember this, Jack. But he like shoots the shotgun up and all the birds go up into the air and he like watches the birds to see where they don't settle. And the other spy runs after him and he like pops up and tags him with this double barrel shotgun. And it's just like really quick, quick and easy over gunfight. Like they don't make these moments linger. They're not shooting at each other a bunch. And I just, I don't know. Hmm. It really, it was like, I really enjoyed the movie a lot. Yes, it has problems. Yes, it's like old. And yes, it ends with, right? It ends with what? Moby Extreme Ways though. You know that one? Unless you're sitting there. <laughs> Everybody knows what I'm talking about. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so, so that would be my recommendation. Is check cool. out the uh, Born Identity. Very cool. You should check out Silent Voice. Anyways, I've been telling him to check that out for like two years now. Um, it's a less than a two hour long movie. Can't check it out. Anyways, my recommendations. Garbage two hour movie. <laughs> you haven't seen it. Um, my recommendation is actually just a few songs, music, and I hope I haven't recommended these before. But if I my have, recommendation is the Raconteur Collection. My recommendation is the Raconteur Collection. F you guys, the Raconteur, Raconteur Collection. Uh, the song called "Starlight Brigade" by TWRP features uh, Dan Avidan from Game Grumps and also Ninja Sex Party. Super. Super good song. Try to actually show it to you after we're done recording. I think you'll okay. really like it. Okay. Um, uh, a band I listen to, Age Factory. They're a Japanese kind of rock band. Released a new album recently. Super good. Um, if you guys are interested in like kind of more alternative rock, kind of punk music, it's very good. I like it a lot. Uh, finally, I have one more, which is where is it? I just played it. Oh, yeah. So this is it's an older song, but if you haven't heard it, the Arms of Sorrow by Killswitch Engage. Oh my gosh. Laura started listening to that Killswitch Engage again recently. And I was like, oh my God. His voice, his vocalist for the Killswitch Engage, Howard Jones. Phenomenal voice. It's so good. Anyways, just a couple of recommendations. Those are some good ones. Yeah. So good ones. thank you, Charlie. It means a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Anyways. I would also have to recommend <laughs> you haven't listened to him yet. This has been the, the, the awkward pause. Uh, I do have two more things to recommend. Actually. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I do want to, again, advocate for if you guys are interested in short stories. Um, of course, I actually think these two episodes have been good for, you know, the short stories like the Sensoderma and the Quartz Foundation. I think I, I just like. Nothing I brought to the table, so. Well, no, I mean, I was going to extend that to you. Like, these episodes, I think, specifically have been good for stories. But if you like more of a traditional audio story, The Second Gods 
is a short story that I wrote and recorded. Phenomenal. And then The Woodsman. Phenomenal. Another one I did. Phenomenal. And so if you're interested in more storytelling, you can go back into the catalog and check those out. And it features Charlie's lush voice. Yes. Yes. So give Sorry, me, give me your story. deepest. Yes. Yes. We shall fight them from the bases. All right, guys. Tell, tell us, who can do it deeper? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're done. <laughs> my throat, there's, my throat. Uh, you know that, again, everything reminds me of Dead Space. Reminds me of those guys on the wall in Dead Space that are like, uh, it's just, Dead Space, man, it's just, uh, I'm so glad it's getting remade because Dead Space is just a solid game. Like Speaking of which, The Forest, the sequel, Sons of the Forest is coming out next year. That's right. And it looks freaking dope. I mean, I love the first Forest game. Dude, we should play it together. The only problem, I think, is the first Forest, it gets a little... A little grindy. Grindy. It's not horrible, but if you want to build, like, a big base, yeah. that's where it really starts faltering. I yeah. Think. Like, it... I I had the feeling I was playing that game wrong. You know what I mean? When I was trying to, like, set up a base and do this stuff, I'm like... Because then you end up having to do all this traveling, all this stuff. And I'm like, maybe it's more of a temporary base setup, temporary base. Yeah, because the game never really ends unless, like, you beat it. Yeah. So, like, honestly, what I do is I kind of set up, like, a small base in kind of in a wide area. Hmm. And then once I get, like, the chainsaw, cut down trees a lot faster. And then I'm like, okay, more structures kind of a thing. Yeah. But that's personal. So, anyways, guys, that's going to be the end of it. Thank you for watching. Watching? Listening? Watching maybe... <laughs> Maybe I'm talking from the future. Who knows? All right. You guys, thanks for watching. coming up to a stop sign. Again, I'm, I'm, dude, okay. I just worked a long week, okay? I just don't. You're coming up to a stop sign. This, this is the end of the episode. And you keep going. As you turn the corner, the speakers play, and all sound goes away. You've reached the end of the episode. Goodbye. Bye, everybody.